613. So many scholars estimate is the number of laws in the Old Testament. Now that's a lot of laws. And if the number is a little more or a little less, it doesn't really matter. It's still a big number. If someone were to ask you how they can possibly obey God, how would you summarize God's law? What would you tell them they need to do to obey God? Would you list all 613 rules? Do you know them all? Probably not. We're going to find out today because Jesus is going to answer this very question in our reading. I'm so glad that you've joined me today on Audacious Arrows, where we're becoming recklessly bold men and women of faith through the power of God's word. Our reading in the book of Matthew is has us in the middle of Holy Week with Jesus. So he has entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday with the people laying down palm branches and coats and saying, Hosanna. And the week is going to end with him being crucified, buried. And then the next Sunday he will rise again. So we're in the middle of that week and Jesus has been having conversations with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees and the Sadducees have both been trying to kind of trick Jesus or trap him in his words. The Pharisees asked questions about paying taxes. The Sadducees had asked questions about the resurrection. And Jesus had answered them so wisely that in a way they were kind of done answering, asking questions. Well, they're almost done. They're going to finish today. We're going to meet a lawyer, and you've probably heard of a lawyer before. We have lawyers in our culture. A lawyer is someone who studies the law, can interpret and use the law rightly. So that's the same thing is true in the Bible. Um, not This lawyer didn't study United States law or Minnesota law, but they would have studied the law of God and been an expert in the law of God. So we're going to meet a lawyer. We're going to hear a quote from Psalm 110, and I'm going to read it to you a little bit. So Psalm 110 um, is quoted by Jesus in our reading today, so I want to read it. Now, if you flip there with me, you'll see it with your own eyes, but if you don't, I will just kind of tell you. We're going to see the word Lord several times, and some of them, some of the times the word Lord is used, it has all uppercase letters, and you'll see this in many times in your Bible where the word Lord, it's kind of, usually they're written with like teeny tiny uppercase letters, but they're like, an, you notice the uppercase R especially in it, and the D. The O looks the same, because an uppercase O and a lowercase O, you know, look the same. But when you see that, I want you to think Yahweh. So the name that God gave to Moses when he spoke to them, him from the burning bush, and Moses said, well, who should I tell them sent me? And God says, you know, I am Tell them that I am sent you. The name Yahweh, that's what that, the Hebrew translation would be, Yahweh. And that is the name of God. And the Jewish teachers felt that name was so holy that they didn't say it or write it. Instead, they would write Lord. or They would, they would write it kind of abbreviated. And in our Bibles, it ends up being Lord written with all capital letters. So when you see that, it always is referring to, to Yahweh, I am. God. God, think God the Father, if you're thinking about the Trinity there, okay? But then we also see the word Lord just written with normal letters, uppercase L and then lowercase O-R-D. And when you see that, it can have different meanings. Um, the word Lord really just means master. It's referring to someone in 
um, authority. Sometimes it's used for royalty or someone who's um, dignified, a king, for example. Um, you see it in old, olden times in England when you talk about like lords and ladies. Um, think about like in England, you'd have you know people who um, had titles like lord and lady. So that word can mean a lot of different things. Often it's used for Jesus um, as my Lord. So think master or king when you see that word. So I'm going to read Psalm 110, and I'm going to read the first uh, two and a half verses to you. And as I read it, I'm just going to add in um, that if it's uppercase or lowercase, so you can kind of get that feeling, okay? So here we go. The Lord, uppercase, says to my Lord, lowercase, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord, uppercase, sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. So this is a Psalm of David, and he's talking about God Most High says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Right hand would be a place of um, honor, kind of authority. So if you're sitting at the right hand of the king, you know, that's a place of honor. So sitting at the right hand of God Most High is, is a pretty high up position. So God, Yahweh says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. God, Yahweh, sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. So this is King David talking about his Lord, right? And Jesus is going to quote that. Okay, just a couple other things for context. Um, Jesus is going to refer to Moses' seat. And he's not talking about a literal chair that, he's, that they're sitting on. But they're talking about kind of a, that they have, they have a legitimate or a real job of teaching the law. Moses' seat is kind of like a position or an office of teaching. And, and it was a real um, a real thing, okay? So Jesus is going to refer to that. He's also going to talk about phylacteries, and you might think, what on earth is a phylactery? And you'd be right to wonder because we don't usually talk about phylacteries. In Exodus 13:9, Moses was talking about how they were supposed to explain to their children about the Passover. So they wanted to teach their children about that. And in verse 9, it says, And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. So the point there is that they were supposed to teach their sons and be and remind themselves frequently of what God had done for them. And what happened is that the Jews took this literally and they would actually put portions of scripture in like a little tiny box and then they would they would tie it around their forehead and tie it around their arm and those were called phylacteries so it was a little bit of scripture that they would actually literally wear between their on their forehead between their eyes and on their arm um, because this verse said that they should have a sign on their hand and as a memorial between their eyes now i don't believe that they were supposed to literally do that but that's what that's what many jews did so they had phylacteries Jesus is also going to talk about long fringes, or some translations may use the word tassels. And what these were is that on um, 
on their prayer shawls, on the Jewish prayer shawls, they were supposed to have tassels on each corner with a blue string. And something about those tassels was supposed to be a reminder of the Ten Commandments. So this was, um, it's, it's written about in Numbers chapter 15, uh, like verse 38 to 40. And so it was in scripture that they should do this as a reminder of the Ten Commandments. Well, that was quite a bit of context. Let's dive in and just start reading. We are in Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to start at verse 34. So Matthew 22, verse 34. Here we go. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, in the spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers, and call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. All right, well, what does all this mean for us? Well, the first part we have a summary of those 613 laws. What does Jesus say? What's the greatest commandment? That we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Do you do that? Do you love God with every little bit of you? Probably not, but that's what we should strive for. And you know, our hearts are so broken and fallen because of sin that we are unable to do this. We need Him to give us new hearts that are fit to love God the way we ought to love Him. But we should strive for this. We should think about Him. We should worship Him. We should seek to honor Him in all that we think and say and do. And what's the second commandment? It's the golden rule, right? 
here we have it right here in the Bible. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the reality is, is that we love ourselves. <laughs> we care a lot about ourselves. We make sure that we get fed and we get our needs met and we think about what we want and what we need all day long. If we were to think about other people around us as much as we think about ourselves, we would, we would pretty much obey the law. <laughs> all of those 316 laws. If we would do these two things, all of the rest of them would be taken care of. We would follow all of them. So that's an easy way to remember. It's a lot easier to remember two than 613, isn't it? But even these two, we know because we have sinful, broken hearts that we just cannot, cannot keep them. We do not always love our neighbor as ourself. And we very, very rarely love the Lord as we ought to. So we need, we desperately need God to create in us clean hearts, to give us soft hearts that love the things that we ought to love, that seek to put God first and seek to put our neighbor, who's just anyone in your life, anyone around you, seeks to put our neighbor above ourselves. Our next section, Jesus turns things around and now he's asking the Pharisees a question, isn't he? And he's asking about this psalm. Who do you think is the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said the son of David. Now all through the Old Testament, we see many prophecies about that Jesus would be one of David's lineage. He would be a son of David. That didn't mean that he would just be necessarily David's son, but it could be like his great, 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 great grandson. He would come from the line of David is what that means. But Jesus points out that their thinking is a little bit too small. Yes, Jesus is of the line of David. And we see that in some of the genealogies offered about Jesus's um, parents in the beginning of Matthew. But there's more to it, right? And that Psalm 110 makes the point that David doesn't call the Christ his son. He calls him his Lord. The Lord said to my Lord. So he is the son of David, but he is also David's Lord, right? God said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And this, from this point on, the Pharisees stop asking him questions. And then Jesus is going to talk to the crowds, his disciples, and he's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. And then he's going to actually talk a little bit to the scribes and the Pharisees later on. And I think the main point here is in verse 2. They sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe what they tell you, but not what they do. Right? So the he's saying to his disciples and the crowds, yeah, listen to these scribes and Pharisees when they teach the law of Moses, when they teach about scripture, but don't copy the way that they behave, the way that they, what they do. So let's look, what is, what do they do? They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they don't lift them with their own finger. So this is like, they're telling people things that they have to do to obey God's law that feel like heavy burdens, but the teachers themselves aren't aren't willing to do the very same things. They do their deeds to be seen by others, right? We're supposed to do our good works in secret for our heavenly father to honor him, knowing that he who sees us will reward us. We're not supposed to flaunt our generosity and our kindness towards other people and say, look at me, look how kind I am, right? We're supposed to be content knowing that God sees 
what we are doing and we do it for joy and to serve him. They make phylacteries broad and their fringes long. So they're making these these little boxes that they're tying on their foreheads and their fringes to be really noticeable by other people. Like kind of look at us, look how holy we are, look how look how amazing we are that we're obeying all of these things. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogue. So they're like, I need front row tickets at church. I want to sit in the very front row and look really important, right? Greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi. And then he talks about that we're not supposed to call them rabbi. We're not supposed to call them father or instructors. So what does that mean? We use those titles every day. Like I call my dad my father, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Or a teacher or instructor, or I call my pastor, pastor. So these titles aren't necessarily wrong. But what we need to remember is that our father in heaven is our greater father. Um, that he is he is the great teacher. I have a pastor. Pastor is another word for shepherd of my church. You probably call him pastor, but you have a great shepherd. So we need to keep in mind that the people around us that help us to learn and and shape our lives um, are under our heavenly Father, are under God's authority. And then we have this summary, and I feel like he's talked about this many times, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. So if you want to be great in God's kingdom, what do you need to do? You need to be a servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. So these rabbis who are exalting themselves, they're making themselves great, they are going to be humbled. And if you do that, if you're prideful and you want to be famous, you will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. When we humble ourselves, when we are a servant to others, when we think rightly about our position before God, he will exalt us at the proper time. All right, let's move on to our memory verse. We have a new verse this week. It's the next verse. So last week we memorized Hebrews 12 verse 1. And this week we're going to memorize Hebrews 12 verse 2. So that's kind of nice. Here it is. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm glad that you joined me today on our journey through the Bible and especially the book of Matthew. If you were listening in your car or somewhere where you couldn't get to your actual physical Bible, I would encourage you later on, go home and open up your Bible to the book of Matthew. Find the verses that we were reading there in the title of this episode and read it for yourself. I think it's so important that we actually point our eyeballs at the Word of God. It's just one more way to help those words sink into our hearts. And this is the way that God speaks to us, right? Through His Word. And so it's so important that we that we read it and we listen to Him. Just a couple of reminders. I do have uh, memory verse cards that you can print off on my website. And I also have a contest going on now through the end of March. So if you share Audacious Arrows with three people. You can share it any way you want. You can email your grandma. You can tell your next door neighbor. You can 
have your mom or dad post it on Facebook, whatever works for you. Three times your mom and dad can go and enter to win an ESV Children's Bible. So I hope that you are the winner, but we'll see at the end of March. All right, we'll see you next time.